Book three of The Dawn and the Day. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine Blashford, www.sidepodcast.com. The Dawn and the Day by Henry Thayer Niles. Book three. And now his cup with every blessing filled, full to the brim, to overflowing full. What more has life to give or heart to wish, stately in form with every princely grace, a very master of all manly arts, his gentle manners making all his friends, his young blood bounding on in healthful flow, his broad domains rich in all earth can yield, guarded by nature and his people's love, and now that deepest of all wants supplied, the want of one to share each inmost thought, whose sympathy can soothe each inmost smart, whose presence, care, and loving touch can make the palace or the humblest cottage home. His life seemed rounded, perfect, full, complete." And they were happy as the days glide on, and when at night locked in each other's arms, they sink to rest, heart beating close to heart, their thoughts all innocence and trust and love. It almost seemed as if remorseless time had backward rolled his tide and brought again the golden age with all its peace and joy, and our first parents, ere the tempter came, were taking sweet repose in paradise. But as one night they slept, a troubled dream disturbed the prince. He dreamed he saw one come, as young and fair as sweet Yasodhara, but clad in widow's weeds, and in her arms, a lifeless child, crying, Most mighty prince, oh, bring me back my husband and my child. But he could only say, Alas, poor soul, and started out of sleep, he cried, Alas, which waked the sweet Yasodhara, who asked, What ails, my love? Only a troubled dream, the prince replied, but still she felt him tremble, and kissed and stroked his troubled brow, and soothed him into quiet sleep again. And then once more he dreamed, a pleasing dream, he dreamed he heard strange music, soft and sweet, he only caught its burden, Peace be still, and then he thought he saw far off a light, and there a place where all was peace and rest, and waking sighed to find it all a dream. One day this happy couple, side by side, rode forth alone, Yasodhara unveiled, for why, said she, should those whose thoughts are pure, like guilty things, hide from their fellow-men, rode through the crowded streets, their only guard, the people's love, strongest and best of guards, for many arms would spring to their defence, while some grim tyrant, at whose stern command, a million swords would from their scabbards leap, cringes in terror behind bolts and bars, Starts at each sound, and fears some hidden mine, may into atoms blow his stately towers, or that some hand unseen may strike him down, and thinks that poison lurks in every cup, while thousands are in loathsome dungeons thrust, or pine in exile for a look or word. And as they pass along from street to street, a sea of happy faces lines their way, their joyful greetings answered by the prince. No face once seen, no name once heard forgot, while sweet Yasodhara was wreathed in smiles, the kind expression of her gentle heart, when from a little cottage by the way, the people making room for him to pass, there came an aged man so very old that time had ceased to register his years. His step was firm, his eye, though faded, mild, and childhood's sweet expression on his face. The prince stopped short before him, bending low, and gently asked, What would my father have? Speak freely, what I can I freely give. Most noble prince, I need no charity, for my kind neighbours give me all unasked, and my poor cottage where my fathers dwelt, and where my children and their mother died, is kept as clean as when sweet Gunja lived, and young and old cheer up my lonely hours, and ask me much of other times and men. For when your father's father was a child, I was a man as young and strong as you, and my sweet Gunja your companion's age. But oh, the mystery of life explain, why are we born to tread this little round, to live, to love, to suffer, sorrow, die? Why do the young, like field-flowers, bloom to fade? Why are the strong like the mown grass cut down? Why am I left as if by death forgot, left here alone, a leafless, fruitless trunk? Is death the end, or what comes after death? Often, when deepest sleep shuts out the world, the dead still seem to live, while life fades out, and when I sit alone and long for light, the veil seems lifted and I seem to see, a world of life and light and peace and rest, no sickness, sin or sorrow, pain or death, no helpless infancy or hopeless age. But we poor Sudras cannot understand, 
yet from my earliest memory i've heard that from this hill one day should burst a light not for the brahmans only but for all and when you were a child i saw a sage bow down before you calling you that light o noble mighty prince let your light shine let men no longer grope in dark despair he spoke and sank exhausted on the ground they gently raised him but his life was fled the prince gave one a well-filled purse and said let his pile neither lack for sandalwood or any emblem of a life well spent and when fit time had passed they bore him thence and laid him on that couch where all sleep well half hid in flowers by loving children brought a smile still lingering on his still cold lips as if they just had tasted gunja's kiss soon to be kissed by eager whirling flames just then two stately brahmans proudly passed passed on the other side gathering their robes to shun pollution from the common touch and passing said the prince with sudras talks as friend to friend but wisdom comes with years silent and thoughtful then they homeward turned the prince deep musing on the old man's words the veil is lifted and i seem to see a world of life and light and peace and rest oh if that veil would only lift for me the mystery of life would be explained as they passed on through unfrequented streets seeking to shun the busy thoughtless throng those other words like duty's bugle call still ringing in his ears let your light shine that men no longer grope in dark despair the old sad thoughts long checked by passing joys rolling and surging swept his troubled soul as pent-up waters having burst their dams sweep down the valleys and o'erwhelm the plains just then an aged angry voice cried out oh help they've stolen my jewels and my gold and from a wretched hovel by the way an old man came hated and shunned by all whose life was spent in hoarding unused gold grinding the poor devouring widows homes ill-fed ill-clad from eagerness to save his sunken eyes glittering with rage and greed and when the prince inquired what troubled him trouble enough he said my sons have fled because i would not waste in dainty fare and rich apparel all my life has saved and taken all my jewels all my gold would that they both lay dead before my face o oh, precious jewels o oh, beloved gold the prince helpless to soothe hopeless to cure this rust and canker of the soul passed on his heart with all-embracing pity filled o deepening mystery of life he cried why do such souls in human bodies dwell fitter for ravening wolves or greedy swine just at death's door cursing his flesh and blood for thievish greed inherited from him is this old age or swinish greed grown old oh how unlike that other life just fled his youth's companions wife and children dead yet filled with love for all by all beloved with his whole heart yearning for others good with his last breath bewailing others woes my best beloved said sweet yasodhara her bright eyes filled with sympathetic tears her whole soul yearning for his inward peace brood not too much on life's dark mystery behind the darkest clouds the sun still shines but said the prince the many blindly grope in sorrow fear and ignorance profound while their proud teachers with their heads erect stalk boldly on blind leaders of the blind come care come fasting woe and pain for me and even exile from my own sweet home all would i welcome could i give them light but would you leave your home leave me leave all and even leave our unborn pledge of love the living blending of our inmost souls that now within me stirs to bid you pause only for love of you and him and all o oh, hard necessity o oh, bitter cup but would you have me like a coward shun the path of duty though beset with thorns thorns that must pierce your tender feet and mine piercing the question as the sharpest sword their love their joys tempted to say him nay but soon she conquered all and calmly said my love my life where duty plainly calls i bid you go though my poor heart must bleed and though my eyes weep bitter scolding tears their hearts too full for words too full for tears gently he pressed her hand and they passed home and in the presence of this dark unknown a deep and all-pervading tenderness guides every act and tempers every tone as in the chamber of the sick and loved the step is light the voice is soft and low but soon their days with varied duties filled their nights with sweet repose glide smoothly on until the shadow seems to lift and fade as when the sun bursts through the passing storm gliding the glittering raindrops as they fall and paints the bow of hope on passing clouds 
yet still the old sad thoughts sometimes return the burden of a duty unperformed the earnest yearning for a clearer light the thought that hour by hour and day by day the helpless multitudes grope blindly on clouded his joys and often banished sleep one day in this sad mood he thought to see his people as they are in daily life and not in holiday attire to meet their prince in merchant's dress his charioteer his clerk the prince and channa passed unknown and saw the crowded streets alive with busy hum traders cross-legged with their varied wares the wordy war to cheapen or enhance one rushing on to clear the streets for wains with huge stone wheels by slow strong oxen drawn palanquin bearers droning out hoo hoo ho ho while keeping step and praising him they bear the housewives from the fountain water bring in balanced water-jars their black-eyed babes athwart their hips their busy tongues meanwhile engaged in gossip of the little things that make the daily round of life to them the skilful weaver at his clumsy loom the miller at his millstones grinding meal the armourer linking his shirts of mail the money-changer at his heartless trade the gaping eager crowd gathered to watch snake-charmers that can make their deadly charge dance harmless to the drone of beaded gourds sword-players keeping many knives in air jugglers and those that dance on ropes swung high and all this varied work in busy idleness as in a panorama passing by while they were passing through these varied scenes the prince whose ears were tuned to life's sad notes whose eyes were quick to catch its deepest shades found sorrow pain and want disease and death were woven in its very warp and woof a tiger springing from a sheltering bush had snatched a merchant's comrade from his side a deadly cobra hidden by the path had stung to death a widow's only son a breath of jungle wind a youth's blood chilled or filled a strong man's bones with piercing pain a household widowed by a careless step the quick cross lightning from an angry cloud struck down a bridegroom bringing home his bride all this and more he heard and much he saw a young man stricken in life's early prime shuffled along dragging one palsied limb while one limp arm hung useless by his side a dwarf sold little knick-knacks by the way his body scarcely in the human form to which long arms and legs seemed loosely hung his noble head thrust forward on his breast whose pale sad face as plainly told as words that life had neither health nor hope for him an old man tottering from a hovel came frail haggard palsied leaning on a staff whose eyes dull glazed and meaningless proclaim the body lingers when the mind has fled one seized with sudden hot distemper of the blood writhing with anguish by the wayside sunk the purple plague spot on his pallid cheek cold drops of perspiration on his brow with wildly rolling eyes and livid lips gasping for breath and feebly asking help but ere the prince could aid death gave relief at length they passed the city's outer gate and down a stream now spread in shining pools now leaping in cascades now dashing on a line of foam along its rocky bed bordered by giant trees with densest shade here day by day the city bring their dead here day by day they build the funeral piles here lamentations daily fill the air here hissing flames each day taste human flesh and friendly watchmen guard the smouldering pile till friends can cull the relics from the dust and here just finished rose a noble pile by stately brahmans for a brahman built of fragrant woods and drenched with fragrant oils loading the air with every sweet perfume that india's forests or her fields can yield above a couch of sacred kusa grass on which no dreams disturb the sleeper's rest and now the sound of music reaches them far off at first solemn and sad and slow rising and swelling as it nearer comes until a long procession comes in view four brahmans first bearing in bowls the fire no more to burn on one deserted hearth then stately brahmans on their shoulders bore a noble brother of their sacred caste in manhood's bloom and early prime cut down then brahman youth bearing a little child half hid in flowers and as in seeming sleep then other brahmans in a litter bore one young and fair in early womanhood her youthful beauty joined with matron grace in bridal dress adorned with costly gems the very face the prince had dreaming seen the very child she carried in her arms then many more uncovered four by four the aged first then those in manhood's prime 
and then the young with many acolytes chanting in unison their secret hymns accompanied by many instruments both wind and string in solemn symphony and at respectful distance other castes afraid to touch a brahman's sacred robes or even mingle with his grief their tears and when they reached the fragrant funeral pile weeping they placed their dead on their last couch the child within its father's nerveless arms and when all funeral rites had been performed the widow circled thrice the funeral pile distributing her gifts with lavish hand bidding her friends a long and last farewell then stopped and raised her tearless eyes and said farewell a long farewell to life and friends farewell o earth and air and sacred sun nanda my lord udra my child i come then pale but calm with fixed ecstatic gaze and steady steps she mounts the funeral pile crying they beckon me i come i come then sunk as if the silver cord were loosed as still as death upon her silent dead instant the flames from the four corners leapt mingling in one devouring eager blaze no groan no cry only the crackling flames the wailing notes of many instruments and solemn chant by many voices raised perfect is she who follows thus her lord o dark and cruel creeds o perfect love fitter for heaven than this sad world of ours more than enough the prince had seen and heard bowed by the grievous burdens others bore feeling for others sorrows as his own tears of divinest pity filled his eyes and deep and all-embracing love his heart home he returned no more to find its rest but soon a light shines in that troubled house a son is born to sweet yasodhara their eyes saw not neither do ours that sun whose light is wisdom and whose heat is love sending through nature waves of living light giving its life to everything that lives which through the innocence of little ones as through wide-open windows sends his rays to light the darkest warm the coldest heart sweet infancy life's solace and its rest driving away the loneliness of age wreathing in smiles the wrinkled brow of care nectar to joyful balm to troubled hearts joyful once more is king sudodana a placid joy beams from that mother's face joy lit the palace flew from street to street and from the city over hill and plain joy filled the prince's agitated soul he felt a power from whence he could not tell drawing away he knew not where it led he knew the dreaded separation near yet half its pain and bitterness was past he need not leave his loved ones comfortless his loving people still would have their prince the king and young rahula have his son and sweet yasodhara his very life would have that nearest dearest comforter to soothe her cares and drive away her tears but now strange dreams disturb the good old king dreams starting him in terror from his sleep yet seeming prophecies of coming good he dreamed he saw the flag his fathers loved in tatters torn and trailing in the dust but in its place another glorious flag whose silken folds seemed woven thick with gems that as it waved glittered with dazzling light he dreamed he saw proud embassies from far bringing the crowns and sceptres of the earth bowing in reverence before the prince humbly entreating him to be their king from whom he fled in haste as if in fear then dreamed he saw his son in tattered robes begging from sudras for his daily bread again he dreamed he saw the ancient tower where he in worship had so often knelt rising and shining clothed with living light and on its top the prince beaming with love scattering with lavish hand the richest gems on eager crowds that caught them as they fell but soon it vanished and he saw a hill rugged and bleak cliff-crowned and bold and bare and there he saw the prince kneeling alone wasted with cruel fastings till his bones clave to his skin and in his sunken eyes with fitful flicker gleamed the lamp of life until they closed and on the ground he sank as if in death or in a deadly swoon and then the hill sank to a spreading plain stretching beyond the keenest vision's ken covered with multitudes as numberless as ocean sands or autumn's forest leaves and mounted on a giant elephant white as the snows on himalaya's peaks the prince rode through their midst in royal state and as he moved along he heard a shout rising and swelling like the mighty voice of many waters breaking on the shore all hail great chakravartin king of kings hail king of righteousness hail prince of peace 
Strange dreams, where is their birthplace, where their home? Lighter than foam upon the crested wave, Fleeter than shadows of the passing cloud, They are of such fantastic substance made, That quick as thought they change their fickle forms, Now grander than the waking vision views, Now stranger than the wildest fancy feigns, And now so grim and terrible they start The hardened conscience from its guilty sleep. In troops they come, trooping they fly away, Waved into being by the magic wand Of some deep purpose of the inmost soul, Some hidden joy or sorrow, guilt or fear, or better, as the wise of old believed, called into being by some heavenly guest, to soothe, to warn, instruct, or terrify. Strange dreams by night and troubled thoughts by day disturb the prince and banish quiet sleep. He dreamed that darkness visible and dense shrouded the heavens and brooded o'er the earth, whose rayless, formless, vacant nothingness curdled his blood and made his eyeballs ache, when suddenly from out this empty void a cloud shining with golden light was borne, by gentle winds loaded with sweet perfumes, sweeter than springtime on this earth can yield. The cloud passed just above him, and he saw myriads of cherub faces looking down, sweet as Rahula, freed from earthly stain. Such faces mortal brush could never paint, enraptured Raphael ne'er such faces saw. But still the outer darkness hovered near, and ever and anon a bony hand darts out to snatch some cherub face away. Then dreamed he saw a broad and pleasant land, with cities, gardens, groves, and fruitful fields, where bee-fed flowers half hide the ripening fruits and spicy breezes stir the trembling leaves, and many birds make sweetest melody, but bordered by a valley black as night, that ever vomits from its sunless depths great whirling clouds of suffocating smoke, blacker than hide the burning Aetna's head, blacker than over Lake Avernus hung, no bird could fly above its fatal fumes. Eagles on tireless pinions upward borne, in widening circles rising towards the sun, venturing too near its exultations fall, as sinks the plummet in the silent sea, and lions springing on their antlered prey drop still and lifeless on its deadly brink, only the jackal's dismal howl is heard to break its stillness and eternal sleep. He was borne forward to the very verge of this dark valley by some power unseen. A wind that pierced his marrow parts the clouds, and far within below he saw a sight that stood his hair on end, beaded his brow with icy drops and made his blood run cold. He saw a lofty throne, blacker than jet, but shining with a strange and baleful light, that made him shade his blinded, dazzled eyes, and seated on that throne a ghastly form that seemed a giant human skeleton, but yet in motion terrible and quick, as lightning killing air the thunders roll, his fleshless skull had on a seeming crown, while from his sunken sockets glared his eyes, like coals of fire or eyes of a basilisk, and from his bony hand each instant flew, unerring darts that flew to pierce and kill, piercing the infant in its mother's arms, the mother when she feels her firstborn's breath, piercing the father in his happy home, piercing the lover tasting love's first kiss, piercing the vanquished when his banners fall, piercing the victor mid triumphant shouts, piercing the mighty monarch on his throne, while from a towering cypress growing near every disease to which frail flesh is heir, like ravening vultures watch each arrow's flight, and quick as thought glide off on raven's wings, to bring the wounded writhing victim in, as well-trained hunters mark their master's aim, then fly to bring the wounded quarry home, Meanwhile a stifling stench rose from below, as from a battlefield where nations met, and fiery ranks of living valour fought, now food for vultures mouldering cold and low, and bleaching bones were scattered everywhere. Startled he wakes and rises from his couch, the lamps shine down with soft and mellow light. The fair Yasodara still lay in sleep, but not in quiet sleep, her bosom heaved as if a sigh were seeking to escape. Her brows were knit as if in pain or fear, and tears were stealing from her close-shut lids, but sweet Rahula slept, and sleeping smiled, as if he too those cherub faces saw. In haste alone he noiselessly stole forth, to wander in the park and cool his brow, and calm his burdened, agitated soul. The night had reached that hour preceding dawn, when nature seems in solemn silence hushed. Awed by the glories of the coming day, the moon hung low above the western plains, and numbered stars with double brightness shine, and half-transparent mists the landscape veil. 
through which the mountains in dim grandeur rise silent alone he crossed the maiden wide where first he saw the sweet yasodhara where joyful multitudes so often met now still as that dark valley of his dream he passed the lake mirror of heaven's high vault whose ruffled waters ripple on the shore stirred by cool breezes from the snow-capped peaks and heedless of his way passed on and up through giant cedars and the lofty pines over a leafy carpet velvet soft while solemn voices from their branches sound strangely in unison with his sad soul and on and up until he reached a spot above the trees above the mist-wrapped world where opening chasms yawned on every side perforce he stopped and roused from reverie gazed on the dark and silent world below the moon had sunk from sight the stars grew dim and densest darkness veiled the sleeping world when suddenly bright beams of rosy light shot up the east the highest mountain-top glittered as if both land and sea had joined their richest jewels and most costly gems to make its crown from mountain peak to peak the brightness spread and darkness slunk away until between two giant mountain-tops glittered a wedge of gold the hills were tinged and soon the sun flooded the world with light as when the darkness heard the first command let there be light and light from chaos shone raptured he gazed upon the glorious scene and can it be he said with floods of light filling the blue and boundless vault above bathing in brightness mountain hill and plain sending its rays to ocean's hidden depths with light for bird and beast and creeping thing light for all eyes oceans of light to spare that man alone from outer darkness comes gropes blindly on his brief and restless round and then in starless darkness disappears there must be light fountains of living light for which my thirsty spirit pining pants as pants the hunted heart for water brooks another sun lighting a better world where weary souls may find a welcome rest gladly i'll climb yon giddy mountain heights or gladly take the morning's wings and fly to earth's remotest bounds if light were there welcome to me the hermit's lonely cell and welcome dangers labours fastings pains all would be welcome could i bring the light to myriads now in hopeless darkness sunk farewell to kingdom comforts home and friends all will i leave to seek this glorious light the die is cast the victory is gained though love of people parent wife and child half selfish half divine may bid him pause a higher love and selfish all divine for them and every soul bade him go forth to seek for light and seek till light be found home he returned now strong to say farewell meanwhile the sweet yasodhara still slept and dreamed she saw siddhartha's empty couch she dreamed she saw him flying far away and when she called to him he answered not but only stopped his ears and faster flew until he seemed a speck and then was gone and then she heard a mighty voice cry out the time has come his glory shall appear waked by that voice she found his empty couch siddhartha gone and with him every joy but not all joy for there rahula lay with great wide-open eyes and cherub smile watching the lights that flickered on the wall caught in her arms she pressed him to her heart to still its tumult and to ease its pain but now that step she knew so well is heard siddhartha comes filled with unselfish love until his face beamed with celestial light that like a holy halo crowned his head gently he spoke my dearest and my best the time has come the time when we must part let not your heart be troubled it is best this said a tender kiss spoke to her heart in love's own language of unchanging love when sweet rahula stretched his little arms and cooing asked his share of tenderness siddhartha from her bosom took their boy and though sore troubled both together smiled and with him playing that sweet jargon spoke which though no lexicon contains its words seems like the speech of angels poorly learned for every sound and syllable and word was filled brimful of pure and perfect love at length grown calm they tenderly communed of all their past of all their hopes and fears and when the time of separation came his holy resolution gave her strength to give the last embrace and say farewell and forth he rode mounted on kantaka a prince a loving father husband son to exile driven by all-embracing love what wonder as the ancient writings say that nature to her inmost depths was stirred and as he passed the birds burst forth in song fearless of hawk or kite that hovered near 
What wonder that the beasts of field and wood, And all the jungle's savage denizens, Gathered in groups and gamboled fearlessly, Leopards with kids and wolves with skipping lambs, For he who rode alone, bowed down and sad, Taught millions, crores of millions, yet unborn, To treat with kindness every living thing. What wonder that the deepest hells were stirred, What wonder that the heavens were filled with joy, For he, bowed down with sorrow, going forth, Shall come with joy and teach all men the way From earth's sad turmoil to Nirvana's rest. End of book three.